Welcome to the Everything RVC Podcast. I am David Costello, and I am very, very excited to welcome back my co-host, Amanda Keeper. Welcome back, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you. I am very happy to be here today. I missed you. I think our listeners missed you. Oh, Everybody I, missed you. You know what? That makes me feel great, but also... I have been listening to the podcast, and I just love every one of them. You know, listening to Nate Talon and listening to Joel Wolford step in and Jerry, mm-hmm. everybody just has such a good vibe, and it just seems to flow naturally. And, you know, I, I was driving home from North Carolina, as many of you know, listeners know, I've been going through some personal trauma in my family. My mom was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. Um, very aggressive cancer and my dad already has stage four bladder cancer and so I have two parents with stage four cancer now and so I've been out and I've been going through quite the journey emotionally Mm -hmm. Um, but I have discovered that the only thing I can control in this whole process is how I make meaning of every single day and it's really the blessing has been I look at every moment like it's the most important moment mm-hmm. when I'm with them and it's changing the way I look at things. Yeah. And I've had really healing conversations with palliative care doctors that, you know, are so gifted to help people transition. They're so gifted and, and mm-hmm. they do things that I don't think I could ever do in my life. So it's been very difficult. Um, I do want our listeners to know that I might be in and out yeah. um, as I go through this process. My parents live in North Carolina in a holler. Some people don't know what that means. I don't, so I'm one, <laughs> I'm one of those people, so go ahead and enlighten me. I say this with as much respect for Southern culture as possible, but if mm. you've ever seen Beverly Hillbillies, mm. that's what the culture is like where I live, in okay. the mountains of North Carolina, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, up in past Asheville, North Carolina, which if you say Asheville, North Carolina, that's a very trendy place. Very, very progressive, trendy, beautiful okay. place. Lots of art, culture, diversity. Yeah. But then you go 25 <laughs> minutes up the mountain and you're living uh-huh. in the sticks. Okay. And, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. it takes 15 minutes to get up the winding road. That's the holler that goes up to okay. where my holler. parents live. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. All right. So with that said, um, just... You know, my my thought for the day on what I've been going through is just when you're in a moment with someone, be fully present in that mm-hmm. moment because it changes the way that you do life with people. Yeah. So. Well, it's a great perspective. Thank uh, you. I think the trick is uh, is being able to continue that, right? Because yes. sometimes you go through these things and you're like, I'm going to be different now. And then time passes and you mm-hmm. kind of fall back into your... So I think the discipline is trying to continue that no I couldn't agree more I feel like so many of us are living on autopilot yeah and until something like this that's jarring Mm -hmm. happens to us we continue to live on autopilot but somebody I have a feeling does not live on autopilot who's that is with us today (laughs) segway (laughs) professor of history Dan Bloomlow is here and I'm so excited he's here because he's someone I've always admired he we have this 
I don't know. We see each other a lot because I, I have a classroom and his office is right across the classroom. And sometimes okay. I leave my door open and sometimes his door is open. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of wave at each we other. We will wave and we yeah. have chit chat. And I'm sure he's heard more of my teaching style than anyone else on campus. So he probably knows a lot more about me than I even know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also just a super fun guy. He does things on campus. I know he has a lot of interest. And yeah. He, when I asked him to play ping pong for a fundraiser for RBC SOS, yep. he didn't he mess around, did, did he? did not mess around. No. He came in full garb yep. and brought the joy into the day, which yeah. I absolutely love. So welcome, Dan, to the show. Thanks. Thanks yes. for having me. And uh, I'm sorry about the news uh, with your mother. And, uh, you know, my dad had cancer, so I know it's, it's, it's rough and it's, mm. it's a long process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also congratulations on the podcast. It's it's really good. It's it's made it into my rotation of podcasts. All right, oh, yeah. hey, it's well, right up know. there with Office Ladies and uh, oh, nice. Unspooled and. Okay, so. so hold on. Let's before we even get into your Rock Valley College story, which is where yeah. we always begin. Tell us about those two podcasts because I have become a huge fan of podcasts. <laughs> Tell us the first two that you mentioned and why you listen to them. So Office Ladies is from Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, who are on The Office, the TV show. And so they are, it's a rewatch podcast. Mm-hmm. And, okay. you know, they, they're just really funny. And they're best friends. They became yeah. best friends on the show. And I love The Office. And it's just, it's so sweet. And they're mm-hmm. sweet. And it's, it's just, you know, the past at least the past year, I've not been listening to like the news or anything when I'm in the car. So I just put on a podcast mm-hmm. and it's just something that like it's it's upbeat and it's yes. it's very warm and, mm-hmm. and just loving. And uh, then the second one is Unspooled, which is uh, a podcast about movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And initially it was about the AFI list, the 100 greatest movies of all time. Okay. Uh, and so I went through that because I, I love movies. Um, and... Then I, you know, when I was listening to it, I thought, you know, if I knew Jerry Labai better, <laughs> yeah, like I would love to do a podcast with him yes. about movies. Um, oh, I'm, see, it's hey. funny you mentioned that. The timing of this is great because I am hatching a new idea for a podcast, a side hustle that I will do outside of work, and it's a movie podcast. So mm-hmm. I don't want to spill too much, but I will talk to you off air because yes. I will be looking for people to join me each time, each episode as a co-host, and it'll all make sense when I explain it to you, but it will be movie-driven, and uh, I've got Jerry. I've already pitched it to Jerry. Mm-hmm. He's agreed to come on and help me with it, so Ooh. yeah, okay. I'm going to connect with you on that one. Another benefit of the podcast, new collaborations. Yeah. That's so cool. So I made another best friend here, because yes. we were talking before the show, he was catching up on Mandalorian. He's listened to this show, he knows we talk Star Wars a lot. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, he's, he mentioned that he you named your dog Vincent, which is after Vincent the dog on Lost. Correct, yes. Uh, huge yeah. Lost fan, as you know. I love The Office. We've mentioned The Office mm-hmm. a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. I need to listen to that podcast, because I did not know about the podcast. Oh man, it, reason, it's so. really good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah awesome. I think I'll check that one out and then watch the episodes simultaneously right so you'll go back and want to watch the episode i'm guessing oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean uh i think on on new year's they they took the office off of netflix but yep. that that's what i was doing oh, i'd listen okay. to the episode then i'd watch it on netflix okay. yeah okay. well i got news for you if you're it sounds like you're a pretty big fan it's on peacock now which i know you gotta pay for yet another streaming service but it's worth it because there's a lot of good stuff on it and one of the things that gravitated over there was the office but they also have 
at least right now it's only for season three, but I'm guessing they're going to release it for other seasons, extended cuts. Mm. So you're seeing lengthier episodes of stuff that was cut out, and you, nice. it's fun to kind of watch them and go, oh, that part wasn't in the original. And yeah, it's like watching all new episodes. So Very I highly cool. recommend you get Peacock. So. All right. So Dan, tell us what brought you to Rock Valley College. What year did you arrive on campus and why Rock Valley? Well, it was, jeez, uh, the, the spring of 2010. Okay. I was finishing up my dissertation. I was applying for jobs. And I was mostly applying to community colleges. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very thankful that, you know, I went to Florida State in Tallahassee, Florida, and I'm very thankful that my my professors did not discourage going to a community college mm-hmm. because some people in academics, especially at Research One institutions, you know, they really are very condescending. Yes. I mean, um, not to go on a huge tangent, but, you know, a few years ago I met a professor from Beloit College and... I saw on her face when I said, oh, I teach at Rock Valley, a community college. I mean, I saw like just the, her hmm. expression on her face changed mm-hmm. and it was, hmm. you unfortunate. know, yeah. Very so, unfortunate. Yeah. so I was applying to some four year schools, but mostly to community colleges and, um, you know, Rock Valley came up and I applied here and of the 16 schools or so that I applied at, this was the only interview I, I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm finishing grad school and it's very scary, the prospect of maybe not getting a job because this is what I've spent you know, so much time and effort trying to get a full-time yes. faculty position. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, how much longer can I adjunct at the local community college how much longer can I tutor student athletes at Florida State, which mm-hmm. is a whole mm-hmm. thing we don't need to get into? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I like I thought like how much longer can I keep this going? Yeah. So so I applied here and um, the phone interview went well. So this is before Zoom, Zoom, mm-hmm. and probably even before Skype or maybe Skype had was around, but before mm-hmm. Skype interviews. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had the on campus and I came up here and it was March. It was right before spring break. It was uh, a sunny day, but it was maybe in the 30s and, you know, snow was on the ground and I'm coming from Florida and I, but, uh, you know, people like uh, um, Mike Youngblood was the, he was the dean at the time. So I don't know if he was an interim dean or, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, you know, he was walking around without a, without a coat on. And I thought like that was (laughs) insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, a couple of things I remember from that day, a couple of things that stand out is mm-hmm. that, um, one, Janice Schweiko, mm-hmm. uh, she was the administrative assistant. And when I was sitting in the office in CL, CL1, mm-hmm. um, sh- the diamond from her wedding ring came out, or her engagement ring came out. And so she's on the floor, on the, you know, looking at the carpet. And so then I help her, but then she's like, oh, no, you need to prepare for your, your job talk. <laughs> right, right. But I'm looking because, like, I'm not going to just sit there and let her struggle look right, on the floor. Right, right. And then the other thing is that, that I remember from that day is that hopefully she won't be too upset that I say this, but Beth Engel had flushed her keys down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> she needed toilet guard. Michael Scott's idea for, for oh, toilet, yeah, yeah. toilet guard. 
So I was just opening the podcast by talking about being yeah. real, being really present. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly yeah. are in each moment as you arrive to campus yeah. that you remember so much of it. Well, how could you forget that? Right. That's pretty, right. That's pretty wild. Mike well, Youngblood's walking around. Like, what is this place? <laughs> what is this place? So what was your interview yeah. like? Do you remember the interview itself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I was I was really well prepared. I you know I think I must have been I guess, but sure. um, you know my I back in Tallahassee I adjuncted at Tallahassee Community College mm-hmm. and the dean of the department there really you know when I told him I was interviewing he really took me aside and he said you know these are the types of questions they may ask okay. and, and then my also my major professor uh, was also very helpful and so. You know, I I think I, 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 I kind of knew what to expect, and I also did a little bit of research. You know, I saw, I think at some point I saw a list of the people on the hiring committee, so I looked everybody up, and, Good. Mm-hmm. Good. you know, it was Julie Hernandez, Crystal Dinwiddie, Martin and Beth, of course, mm-hmm. and... Um, and Bob Schilf, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was it was... Yeah, I definitely remember it, and I think it, you know, it went well. Mm-hmm. What were your impressions of the campus? I know it was winter and snow, and our campus looks a little different in winter than it does, but were you... Well, it was were, March. Well, he said it was snow-covered, though. Yeah. Sure. Still. So, yeah, yeah. It, does, yeah. it looks a little different sure. uh, when it's got snow on it than it does on a nice fall day or summer day, but what did you think of it as a community college campus? Oh, I thought it was really, really pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they've redone CL1, mm-hmm. And it doesn't have the same character. It's like CL two, and even the library here, just mm-hmm. like the um, the wood and yes. the um, yeah. I don't know if that's brick or concrete or just. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very pretty campus, and the creek, and you know, there were more trees at the time, and mm-hmm. and uh, most of the colleges in Florida, the community colleges especially, they really came about after World War II, and they're in a circle, and they're. They're mm-hmm. not very attractive. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, in uh, Florida State certainly is because they've got like great trees and walking areas, and you know. But um, the community colleges that I've been to, I mean, there's kind of this circular design, and it's yeah. it's 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 not. I guess they don't have to be attractive. It's not meant to be sure. attractive. But sure. uh, I thought the campus was really pretty, and I like the buildings. I like the architecture. Mm-hmm. So take us back to early years, Dan. Why history? When did the light bulb go off for you that history is where you want to spend your life? Well, hmm. I think I think it really comes from my dad. Okay. Uh, he always really liked history, and he had this set of world book encyclopedias mm-hmm. from from his childhood from 1960. And when I was a little kid, I would just and I do this today with like Wikipedia and mm-hmm. Google. Like I just would think of a topic or a place or a time period, and I would just like look in the encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. And that is extremely nerdy, but that that's okay. And um, <laughs> you know, I think also it really. So I think I was always always interested in social studies. And then when I was in eighth grade, I had a, a really good history teacher named Bo Johnston, mm-hmm. and um, you know he was amazing. And and then also in 12th grade, uh, Mrs. Jan Howard was my history teacher. And at least where I was at, often the history teachers were like the, the coaches mm-hmm. and usually the history teachers were just awful. <laughs> but but 
you know, I had th- those two in eighth and twelfth grade that were were amazing, and mm-hmm. you know that they they were just really good teachers and just very relatable and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so that that kind of inspired me, and then I. I went into, went into college and I wasn't sure what my major was going to be and I thought maybe I'll be a music major but then I thought no I'll do history and then I just kind of kept taking history classes and kept going. That's a theme we've seen so, yeah. seen emerge with mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our faculty who have been on here is that there was usually somebody in their past an educator in their past yeah. that mentored them or or that just inspired them that they enjoyed and that's what led them down their path but is there a specific um, area of history that interests you the most or what sort of things do you teach or like to teach the most well gosh there there's there's a few i i think the first kind of large topic that i really got into was the russian revolution um i think it was my my aunt and uncle maybe had seen or they they trying to think here but at some point i saw the movie nicholas and alexandra okay which is based on the last czar of russia and i i think my aunt and uncle suggested or or maybe they 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 rented it um so then i really got into that and then i i got a book that was about the diary of the last czar Hmm. and um and then I started to like look at the revolutionary side of you, you know, point of view, like the Bolsheviks and Lenin and, you know, and um, and uh, Trotsky. So I, I got really into that, the Russian Revolution. And that was probably the first kind of big topic. And this is when I was like in eighth grade, um, you know, and hmm. since then, I've, um, you know, certainly when I was in high school and as an undergrad, I really got into World War Two. Uh, when I was getting my master's degree, it was in World War II history. Okay. My master's thesis was on World War II. And at the time, I worked at a World War II archive. Hmm. So very I was nice. very steeped in it. And, um, you know, when I first started here at Rock Valley, I would talk about World War II a lot. And um, the students are always really interested in it. So I could spend as, as long as I wanted on it. Mm-hmm. And... I, th- I think there's this interest where it's something, at least for most Americans, that, like, we can be proud of. Like, this is, like, a moment where the United States was on the right side of history, mm-hmm. right? There are clear-cut bad guys, right? Mm-hmm. There's often, if there's an enemy, you can say, like, well, from a certain point of view, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, with World War II, with the Nazis, you know, you can't really make that case. So mm-hmm. this is something where... There's maybe a lot of, you know, we're patting ourselves on the back. Um, in the past couple of years, though, I've, I don't spend as much time on World War II because I think there are more important, or maybe not more important, but there are other things to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, most students at least have kind of a base level knowledge of World War II. Mm-hmm. So I should introduce them to, to new topics or That's other right. things. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly, you know, from, you know, Russian Revolution, World War II. Um, those were a couple of the, the of the early kind of periods and topics that I that I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. It always fascinates me when you talk about how you first became interested. 
I've heard a lot of my students talk about and give speeches on historical topics. And when you only have a seven to nine minute speech or an eight to 10 minute speech, you have to pick a very narrowly defined subtopic. So I've had students talk about weapons used in World War II. Or, so when you first started researching, were you interested in the conflict, the social dynamics, the weapons, the, there's the leaders, there's so many different parts of a war, like what usually would draw you in first? Um, certainly not the weapons or really the fighting. You know, I think, I think really like the, um, the kind of unsung heroes maybe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, growing up in Florida, it, it's all coming back to eighth grade, which I, I wasn't expecting it to, but I think it was in eighth grade. We read the diary of Anne Frank mm-hmm. and there was a big emphasis at least, on kind of the Holocaust in like eighth and ninth grade. And I'm not sure if there's a huge emphasis here in Illinois, like there is in Florida, at least South Florida. And um, uh, when I was reading the diary of Anne Frank, I kept thinking about uh, Meep Gies. And she was the Dutch woman who was like bringing them food and helping to hide them. Mm -hmm. And I was really just impressed that here we have this person who's risking her life. It's it, and it was her and others. It was her and her husband, and you know there were other people helping them as well. Mm-hmm. But just this person who's like, they, you know, they're doing the right thing. Like history is calling upon them at a certain moment, and they're they're making the right choice. Mm-hmm. You know, they're doing something that was illegal. Mm-hmm. They're doing something that could get them killed. Mm-hmm. Um, they are doing something that is making them sacrifice. They are going without food. They are, you know. There, there's just so many risks and that this is just a really just a normal person, a normal average person, mm-hmm. someone who's not really seeking glory or fame. Uh, and so I, those, those have been the figures I always kind of gravitate towards, like that, not really the leaders or like the warfare, just kind of like the, the average people who do like the heroic thing at the right moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that helps a lot. So yeah. with that said, what is one of your favorite movies that has a character similar to ones that you're really drawn to? Oh my gosh, what a, jeez. Oh, um, gosh, I, I guess I, I can't think of anything at the, at the moment. I'm thinking like my, well, gosh, one of my favorite movies it's history related is Last of the Mohicans okay. uh-huh. from 1991, yeah. Dan- Michael Daniel Mann, Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I suppose in that movie, the uh, the main characters, uh, it's loosely based from, from the James Fenimore Cooper novel. Uh, you know, the main characters, they're doing their own thing. They're going west, you know, they're, they're trapping animals and they come across basically a massacre and they save uh, a British officer and these two these two young women who are sisters, and they deliver them to their father at a fort, and they get swept up in this entire war, in this big battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it completely, like, alters their life, and there's a whole love triangle. And um, so I, th- I, I don't know if that's exactly the same thing because it's, you know, it, it's fictional, but uh, maybe, maybe, the, maybe that's why I really like Hawkeye and... Uh, Mm-hmm. The character played by uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, I'll check it out. I wrote it down to watch. Yeah, that's good. Oh, one. my gosh. It's great. It's yeah. It's got romance. It's got action. Mm-hmm. It's just great scenery, cinematography, the, the score, the uh, the sound. 
Um, and I will show clips of it in class when we talk about the French and Indian War. Yeah, that was sort of my next follow-up question. Mm-hmm. So what is your teaching style like? I can see how passionate you are. And it, the, the stories and the people, I think, are as fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's why I'm becoming more and more interested in history, finally. I think, is that something that you see as well? And, and we'll go back to how you teach the course. But do you see that a lot of times there, when people get older, they finally start to appreciate history? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. so I'm normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> so your teaching style, like, what what is it like in your class? Uh, are you a storyteller? Are you a multimedia user? Are you a group discussion guy? Are you a combination of all of it? It's a combination of, of all of it. And, you know, some, there are certain topics and lectures that I probably just go through the motions to cover and then there are others that I, I get more animated or I'm more passionate about but um, lecture and I've got a PowerPoint and I, I show movie clips and um, in my U.S. history classes I often show clips from drunk history mm-hmm. uh, and then we have discussions we have group discussions uh, on the, the books I assign and you know often I, I just I choose books that that I enjoy um, so it's a, it's a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the yeah. students appreciate when you can bring in things that are familiar to them like that mm-hmm. and incorporate it into the, into the lesson plan. But um, I was also curious, um, how do you incorporate or bring in current events into your teaching? Well, I believe in what's called the cyclical theory of history. Mm-hmm. And this was a theory developed probably in the 11, 1200s by, a, by a, an Arab scholar named Ibn Khaldun, and not to get too much in the weeds here. Um, but I, I do believe that history is cyclical. Mm-hmm. And there it's a cliche, but it's mostly true that history repeats itself or trends repeat themselves. You know, this is why we should study history to try to avoid making the mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. And you know, not everything completely lines up, but there, um, history is cyclical. And so, I I will relate things to the present, and I try not to. And I'm sure I fail at this. I try not to like really like show my cards and get too political. Sure. But you know, if we think about like anti-immigrant sentiment, right? That. Every, you know, that happens all the time. We can go back to the 1790s during the French Revolution. A lot of French people came to the U.S. when the U.S. was a a very young country. The U.S. did not have good relations with France at the time. Many Americans wanted to go to war with France. So uh, there were laws that really stigmatized immigrants uh, that made it harder for immigrants to become American citizens. Um, and laws that basically also made it easier to deport um, non-citizens, right? And they were aimed at the French, right? And then we can move to the 1840s and 1850s when the Irish come over, right? The Irish are stigmatized. Mm -hmm. Uh, The late 18, early 1900s when we have a huge number of people from Eastern Europe, many of whom are Catholic or Jewish. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that kind of anti-immigrant sentiment, uh, that, you know, that's, kind of always been here and you know I don't know if that's supposed to be reassuring or not but but it is something that's not new and um, you know whether it's the Catholics in the turn at the turn of the 20th century 
or Japanese people during the 1940s or Muslims today. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always been kind of a nativist sentiment that says they cannot be loyal Americans. They, they you know, we like there's this idea like we can't trust them mm -hmm. right? with Catholics. They're going to take orders from the pope. Right. Mm -hmm. They're not they can't be real Americans. Mm -hmm. Right. The Japanese who are living in California in the 1940s uh, or before World War Two started. Well, they can't be loyal Americans. They're going to take orders from the emperor of Japan. Mm -hmm. Right. And then like present day, you know, well, we can't trust Muslims. Right. So it's it's something that's that's been with us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I find that comforting. I think Martin Cork talked about that a little bit on his podcast. Yeah. That history is cyclical. And I do find it comforting when when you explain that. Now, while you were talking, um, the irony in that whole topic, what do you think about these tests like 23andMe um, that do your DNA or ancestry DNA? I, I like it. I mean, I, I have done the ancestry. DNA, yeah, that's yeah, the most popular, yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, were you surprised? Did it confirm what your family story and narrative had described mostly um you know a lot of eastern european russian jewish um there were stories from my dad's side of the family that there was some native american ancestry mm -hmm. and although my some of my dad's ancestors on his mom's side um were from canada they were french canadian uh there was no native american ancestry that showed up so that was something that I was kind of looking for that I didn't see. Mm -hmm. But um, there is an issue where I guess I, I can see kind of both sides where if maybe I found out like, oh, I'm 10% Native American or mm -hmm. maybe I'm 10% African, you know, I can see like part of it like, Okay, I, I had never like known that struggle to be an American Indian or mm -hmm. to be a black person. Mm -hmm. And so then I shouldn't be able to claim like, hey guys, I'm mixed race or hey guys, I'm black or, you know, I shouldn't be able to claim that. And some people do. Yeah. Okay. Right. So I can see like, I can see being really interested, like, oh, this, I'm not just all European. Like I can see like why people would get like interested and excited about that. Mm -hmm. But then I can also see like, Maybe maybe the the other side where it's like, well, you're you might have ten percent or you might have right. some, yeah. but you're you you didn't live that life. Sure. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. when my dad did his, you know, when he got sick, my cousin said, You really should have your dad do this. And so my dad is really dark. In fact, when in the summer when he he always did construction work, so manual labor, blue collar, poured concrete. And when, when the sun was out, his skin got really dark, which most people mm -hmm. thought he was Hispanic. Um, but his, he has French in his background. So he's really dark and looks French. So I figured it would be a huge percentage from mm -hmm. France. We get the results, and he's 94% from um, the UK. Huh. Yeah. And, we're, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is, this is crazy. And mm -hmm. I have been absolutely obsessed with the monarchy and British history before I found that out. <laughs> okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And then you just said that you're Russian? Yeah, it was um, not, not, I think, ethnic Russian. I think they were Jewish people who lived in Russia, and so they were 
you know, never considered Russian. You okay. know, even if they spoke Russian, they were um, kind of an other. There was a part of the country where they had to live. Okay. Um, and I, I would be interested to see, like, I think they left in 1880 and came to the U.S. Um, and so maybe there was a pogrom or a riot or just violence that had caused them to, to leave. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is just one strand, you know. But, right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what I would like to do when I get my results, I turned mine in and they're coming in like March 3rd, I think. I did the 23andMe one. Okay. Um, I would like to go to the exact counties that they pinpoint in Europe that my family is from. So yeah. that's that's what I would like to do with the data, is like sure. go to the land. I know another family that they did their ancestry and then they had a party and revealed it for the whole entire family. And then they brought in foods from the different regions. That's cool. Oh, that's fun. Uh, so, like yeah. That. Yeah, so I think there's some fun things that you can do with that. I, yeah. Yeah, well, how do students respond to learning more? Do they learn more about their own ancestry? Do you encourage that in the classes? Actually, I I don't. Um, You know, every now and then I'll have a student, and this is probably at least once a year, Mm -hmm. I have a student who says, my ancestors were on the Mayflower. Mm. And no, they weren't. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't. (laughs) Because what is it like a... I don't know, the 102 people were on the Mayflower. Right. And but everybody's like, ancestor was on. Right. And three months later, like, there were 45 of them left. Right. right? So, right. like, yeah. probably not. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's always. That's funny. But I, I don't tell, you know, I don't want to. Sure, sure. I don't want to be a buzzkill. Yeah. So. <laughs> sure. So you mentioned that you use books. What book has been, mo- what book do the students receive do you think the best of all of them? So if a student is listening right now and, you know, they're really starting to put their toe in the water and learn more about history, which ones do you like to get students introduced to right away? Well, I I use both primary and secondary sources. Okay. So uh, a primary source is written by the person who lived through the event or witnessed the event. Mm-hmm. And... Um, one of the ones I've used pretty much every semester, uh, which students really seem to enjoy, uh, or maybe not enjoy, but they seem to have a good reaction to, is it's called Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs. Okay. And uh, this is uh, one person's, one woman's story. It's her complete narrative. Um, and, you know, I think students, it, it, it's, it's, the content is difficult but the read isn't if that mm. makes sense sure. yeah yeah um so it, it's something where it's, it's one person telling a story so i think that makes it kind of more compelling and j- just you know all the kind of her journey her the mm-hmm. tribulation you know the what mm-hmm. she goes through and it does have in many ways a happy ending because she she escapes from slavery she makes it to the north um you know her children also you know she's able to reunite with her children as well mm-hmm. uh so um it is yeah it's i mean part of parts of it are extremely sad but it, it does kind of end on a more hopeful note mm-hmm. and then you know Har- harriet jacobs became part of the abolitionist movement uh, so it, it is in many ways inspiring, yes. and um, so students seem to enjoy that book. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a good one. And there's there's one I'm trying for the first time this semester. 
and it's it's in a it's um, in a world history class, but it's also a primary source, and it's called Lieutenant Nun. Oh gosh, what is the title? Um, Lieutenant Nun, something like the story of a Basque Basque the region in Spain. It's like Basque Lieutenant Transvestite something something. Hmm. And it's by by a person named um, Catalina de Arauso. Okay. And so um, they were um, born a, a young a young uh, a born a woman um, a young girl uh, from a, a relatively wealthy family in Spain in the early 1500s, and she's sent to a convent because that's what wealthy families did for. To educate their 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 daughters, mm-hmm. you know, they'd go to the convent. Convent, they'd learn domestic skills, and then either they would be married off, or if not, they would stay in the convent and become a nun. Mm-hmm. So when, um, when she was about fifteen, right before she's to take her vows, she fled, and she starts to dress up as a page, as a a page boy, mm-hmm. and so wealthy. Wealthy individuals, members of the aristocracy, they would have these servants called pages, and there's some um, pages would be boys, but they were also like there's some sexual ambi- ambiguity there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A wealthy man who had a page might have sexual relations with the page, mm-hmm. um, but then uh, after a couple years uh, living now under a man's name. Um, he then travels to South America and becomes a conquistador. Hmm. And it, it's a relatively short book, and it's this person's story. And um, I think a negative or a difficult thing is that we're using the English translation. Mm-hmm. And so in Spanish, Catalina at certain times refers, most of the times, refers to himself as a he, but sometimes uses she. Mm. And so it, it's, maybe I need to take a sociology class to kind of work through this. Um, but I'm going to try, at least in my class, to use the he pronoun when Catalina is living as a man. Right. And there's a couple different aliases that he uses. Uh, but then there's a very kind of key point in the book where, I mean, he gets in, he gambles, he gets in fights, you know, mm-hmm. all sorts of, it's like really adventurous. And there's a certain point where he's cornered and he goes into a church, uh, goes into a cathedral, and then he tells the, the bishop that uh, he's a woman. So then it becomes she. Mm-hmm. And so then mm-hmm. she becomes Catalina. Mm-hmm. And she eventually goes back to Spain. She gets a, um, a, a a, a yearly pension for the rest of her life because of all her military pursuits, uh, you know, conquering Indians and, you know, actually doing many horrendous things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she travels to the Vatican and the Pope gives her permission to live as a man. And so then he takes the name, I believe, Antonio, and eventually he comes back to the Americas and he lives out his life in today's Mexico as a man. Uh, oh, and the, the one thing wow. is that in, in Spain at the time, it was against the law basically to cross-dress. Right. Okay. So, but he has an except, exception because the Pope gave him permission. So, um, 
That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. would probably say today he's probably a trans man, right. but I don't want to, I don't know if it's correct. And I, I don't want to give, you know, today's kind of values to someone who lived in the 1500s. Right. Sure. Right. And yeah. also I've never read the actual Spanish memoir, so I don't mm-hmm. exactly know every time mm-hmm. he used he or she used she. And so you're bringing that into your classroom, right? To yes. Your, so yeah. w- how do you build a lesson around that? So walk me through like how you decide you're going to incorporate that into your class. What do you want them to take away? And a two-part question. <laughs> how do you have them pr- um, process the material? Yeah. Like, is it a paper? Is it a discussion? Is it a journal, et cetera? So, yeah, they, they read the book. There's a quiz on the book. There's a discussion. If the students take part in the discussion, they get extra points on the quiz grade. Uh, there's also a potential essay they could write on it. Um, so, they don't have to write the essay on that book if they don't want to, but they can. Okay. Um, so, um, and, and for, to Dave's question, um, it's in the part of the semester where we talk about, um, this is a world history class, but it, it's where we talk about uh, European expansion in the Americas, right? So it's like after we talk about Columbus and after we talk about like the, the Aztec and the Inca, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's in kind of this um, age of discovery, Spanish uh, conquest of the new world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the, the the new society that the Spanish create out of this. Um, so that's kind of in the the part of the semester. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's it's probably a more a more kind of blatant way, but every now and then I will talk about gender in class and I kind of sneak it in and maybe I'm very subtle about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is maybe a much more yeah. kind of kind of upfront discussion. Okay. Yeah, cool. Gen- gender and world history. Right. Yeah, yeah right. I love it. I love assignments and texts that are unforgettable. And it sounds like the choice you made there, they will not forget that book. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm hoping I, I do it justice, mm-hmm. but... We'll see. Well, well see. I love, I think it says a lot about you that you're taking a risk because it, it, it sounds like, yeah. you know, just I think students will always bring their own politics into the room. They were raised with their own politics. And so it's going to be interesting. It's a very interesting just semester for you to see how people respond to the text. Mm-hmm. I love that you give them options to go more in depth if they want yeah, to. Yeah. And you know? um, I pretty much change my books, I mean, uh, with the exception of really of the incidents in the life of a slave girl, but I really alternate the books I use maybe every semester, every other semester, just to keep it interesting for me. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then if there is a book that's well-received, I'll bring it back. If not, I might not use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Mm, um, fascinating. I want to take your class. <laughs> you should. I know. I really should. So I guess it makes sense. I know, I know you're into trivia. We oh, talked yeah. about yes. that before we went on. It probably makes sense for somebody who's into history to also kind of get into trivia because it lends itself to that. But um, talk to us about your passion for trivia and, and what do you do with it? So, yeah, I uh, I guess I've just been really good about retaining trivial information, especially mm-hmm. social science related. Um, and, oh gosh, it's interesting because... In sixth grade, I just moved to Florida, 
and um, there was a trivia contest at school. It was called Brain Brawl or Brain Brawls that I won. And the director of it was Mrs. Johnston, who was the wife of my history teacher in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Um, Sixth grade at at that school was part of the elementary school, and seventh and eighth was in the middle school, which was at a different part of town. And so uh, the Johnstons were both married, and they were both both history teachers, mm-hmm. I think. Actually, I never had Mrs. Johnston. I, I'm blanking on her first name, but she was in charge of that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've always been I've always been interested in trivia, and I think it's like sports for me. Like mm-hmm. if, uh, for example, in my class, right, um, when we do review before exams, especially in an in-person face-to-face class, I have a Jeopardy game, okay. and it's got questions from the content we've covered, questions that versions of those are on the exam. And I'll break the class into teams and, you know, I'll have them play and I have buzzers that make farm animal sounds because I <laughs> just want to be ridiculous. Of course. Um, and often it's like the winning team will get extra credit. Mm-hmm. And so they, they're into many it. of the students they get really into it. Yeah. 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 And so I, I have a, a scorekeeper at the front of the board who's a student. So um, it was last spring and it was right before COVID. It was before spring break and, and we did this. And the, uh, the scorekeeper was on the baseball team. And he was, as the students were like getting questions right, you know, the, the students in the front were like getting really into it. And mm-hmm. like they're even high-fiving and they're like, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, what do you guys do? Like he was kind of being a bully. Mm-hmm. Like he was kind of being awful. Okay. And, you know, he, and I said, you don't, I said something like, oh, and I'm so bad with sports terms, but I was like, <laughs> you don't celebrate when you guys win, win a game? Like, right, right. Why, like what? Right, like, right. So, um, gosh, where am I going with this? Anyway, so I, I like trivia. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, Jeopardy's you, looking for a host. Right? Yeah, and you host, uh, you host at a local, a couple different yeah. local venues, right? Yeah, and I've I've had I think four trivia nights here at Rock Valley mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think it's it's something I go, I'm good at. Um, but I started to host because my partner Ryan, I think, and this is going to sound mean, but he was like. He, you get maybe too into it. Maybe you're too competitive. <laughs> and, um, never. And like, you know, if, 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 if we lose or if, if I'm on a team that loses, I, you know, I'll yeah. think about, I'll stew, you know, I'll just get, I'll just get upset about it. So yeah. it is maybe better for me if I'm the host. Be the host. If I'm the host, it will be, I will, it's less likely for me to embarrass myself. Yeah. And I people think. will still yeah. like you at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Well, it depends. Because uh, I was going to say, do you do you write the questions yourself? Yes, I write the okay. questions myself. So they mm-hmm. could get mad at him because that was a stupid question. Or sure. why did you phrase that question that way? Right. right. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about your family. You mentioned Ryan. Let's get into your personal life a little bit more. And, sure. And, and, yeah. and Ryan, and you have a great extended family. So talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, most of my family is, uh, well, I'm from Michigan originally. I was wondering, okay. So um, Florida wasn't the home base. It was Michigan and then Florida. Right. Um, so yeah, from Michigan and I still have, my older brother still lives there and, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and, 
1991, we moved to the Florida Keys. Whoa. And this is, you know, my parents were both around 40, 41. And so I can now kind of relate like a midlife crisis or just like wanting something new. Mm-hmm. And Florida Keys was pretty radical from. Right. <laughs> right. And, and basically it's the idea if like you've ever gone on vacation somewhere and you're like, I want to move here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They actually did it. <laughs> Um, I know. I'm like, how do you end up in the Florida Keys? You went there on vacation. Right. And stayed forever. Right. And and in some ways, it's very brave because they didn't really know anyone there. And they didn't have, like, money, you know? Like, my dad worked at Kmart. My mom worked at McDonald's. So, like, it was like we could be poor in Michigan or we could be (laughs) poor where it's really nice out. Right. Now, so, you're, now you're rich. Right. So, <laughs> huh. yeah, yeah, and my uh, my mom still lives in Florida, and my dad has passed away, and then my my sister recently moved to Colorado. Okay. So we're kind of all over the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I've seen you, you travel, you and Ryan travel to those different locations. I wondered if that was for family, or but you also love to travel, yes? Yes, I love to travel. Yes. Um, you know, but in the past couple of years, it's pretty much only been to Florida, and I say only been to Florida. And, <laughs> right. you know, I've, there's been people around campus here who say, oh, you know, you get to go on vacation, but it's... It's family. Yeah. It, it's, you know, I, I get there, there's a list of things to do. <laughs> right, right. And um, mm-hmm. I still get away to see, like, the beach, you know, and, so, and it's still, it's always nice weather, but it's not quite vacation. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but I do like to travel. I like to travel. Did you come prepared with a campfire question today i usually have been doing the campfire questions as they organically okay. kind of did you come, come up, with, up did you come up with um them? well otherwise we can go straight to the bag while you're let's thinking. go straight to okay. the bag and then we'll go we'll end with the campfire question okay. i'm thinking something history you know me too and if you have one i i've i'm when i listened to your campfire questions when i was absent we didn't do them no, you did one. You okay, did, I might have didn't. You did one, and it was really good, and I thought, yeah. David's better at that, too. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what do you wish your brain was better at doing? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I think I can sometimes have a problem of being empathetic. Um, so, I mean... I guess I'm not like maybe fishing for compliments or or sympathy, but like, you know, I grew up pretty poor in an area that was quite rich. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I was always my my friends always were much wealthier. So like, no one ever came to my house because right. why would you? There's nothing to do there, and why mm-hmm. you know why would you want to if you had a really nice house? Mm-hmm. So you know, I grew up poor, grew up very awkward, very nerdy, not good at sports, grew up gay. Um, one of my parents had a number of, had a number of mental health issues and still a parent, but not the way the other kids' parents were. Mm -hmm. So I was always really just from a young age, like you're on the, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, I got a job when I was 14, saved up for my own car. So I just always just kind of taught to be self-reliant. You're on your own. You can't count on anybody. Mm -hmm. And you've got to figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. And you did. Yeah. But I think I'm just not sympathetic often or empathetic when other people 
mm-hmm. have problems. You know, I, I see it as like, you're whining, you need to get over it, you need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, there's, I go back and forth where I, I feel bad about like, I should be more empathetic, but then other times I feel like maybe that person should just get over it. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you should just deal with it. Like, why, like, why are you complaining to me? You know, or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So yeah. I, I guess I, I feel mm-hmm. like I can be more empathetic at times. And, you know, maybe I'm sometimes I'm too selfish or like I'm thinking about myself first in some ways where I should be more. But you're self-aware enough to recognize that. Right, at least. Yeah, but, but I'm I'm bad at it, I think, and mm-hmm. and I and it it comes into the classroom too, where it's. I would take the case that well, you knew the test was today, you knew the quiz was today, mm-hmm. you know I've said you know it's in the syllabus, it's on Eagle, I've sent reminder emails, you didn't do it, you don't get to make it up. Right. Nope, I'm not giving you a makeup, mm-hmm. because if you had a job and you missed right. it, or if you had right. a job interview and you missed it, you know, tough luck. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I, I guess, I, you know, I go back and forth. I want to be very accommodating to my students, but also, like, they need to learn how the world works, yes. I guess. Yes, yeah. I, can, I can relate so, in many ways, yes. But then I, yeah. I feel bad, like, oh, maybe, you know, I will kind of feel bad about it after the fact, but then mm-hmm. it's like, no, you just got to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was listening to a Dolly Parton uh, podcast on my way home with Brene Brown, and she said, okay. <laughs> Come on, you have we'll to talk like, about that later. You have to like okay. Dolly. Oh, I love Dolly. Yeah. Come on. And she said, and it reminds me of what you're saying right now. She said, sometimes I say to the person, "This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you," <laughs> and and you know it's hard. Like mm-hmm. you do have that empathy for them as watching them go through a painful situation, but not the empathy of is this if this is your biggest problem, your life is pretty damn exactly. good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, for yeah. Sure. So All I right. get that. That's okay, a, next question. Reach on in there and get oh, another one. Another one. Mm-hmm. At least they're not trivia questions. Right? He'd probably love that. <laughs> <laughs> what did you wish you could tell yourself ten years ago? What do you think you'll want to tell your your current self 10 years from now. You picked some good ones, David. I mean, Uh, he picked them. um, (laughs) um, I just threw them in the bag. What do I wish I could tell myself 10 years ago? Gosh, this is good. Um, I'll answer the second part first. Sure. I... I mean, I think I'm laid back, but I need to, currently, I think maybe because I, I turned, well, actually, I just turned 41, but I was, you know, when I, once I turned 40, I started to think about, like, I guess, like, my, my legacy, my life, or, sure. like, you know, like, what is the existence of everything, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, I think, uh, and Mich- Michelle Roder, when you, when she talked to you, yeah. um, mm-hmm. she also kind of brought this up. And so I've been kind of struggling, like, with do I need to, like, write a book or, like, you know, if I pass away, will anyone remember mm-hmm. me or what mm-hmm. I've done? And I, I want to leave the world a better place. And, you know, it's yeah, mm-hmm. and it's corny, I mean, but it's, it's true. But I don't know how. I don't know how to have an impact. And so maybe 10 years from now I can, like, tell myself how to deal kind of with this. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm at this kind of crossroad. Mm-hmm. It's existential questions. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, then yeah, we've all thought that. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Maybe ten years ago, what? What I would need to know that I don't. Oh gosh. Um. Gosh, I don't know. It's 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 hard. Maybe. Um, I guess not to get so hung up on things, or I mean, that's that's so so vague. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's true, though. That's a way I would go with it, probably too. Whether you could pinpoint like one particular thing and just say, "Hey, when this happens, don't overreact because it's not a big deal. It's mm-hmm. going to pass in a couple mm-hmm. months." Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, you yeah. know. Oh yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's. Yeah. Um, I went to a history conference, I think actually my, my first year here, and there was this, you know, very horrible person who I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't like, and there was, you know, a bad breakup at one point. So, like, I guess if I, I, maybe it would be specific to, like, those experiences. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. okay, if you could go back and tell yourself, this will get better. Right. Yeah. Don't ever date that person. Don't yeah. ever date that person. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. See, that's a good one. You can even pinpoint really the day and the time. On this day, this <laughs> exactly. time, everything's going to be fine. Because right? I, I, in my head, that's how it is for me. Like, there, don't do that at that day and that time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, now yeah. I'm thinking of, like, specific yes. individuals. Like, yes. just yes. don't ever talk to that person <laughs> yeah. because it's right. just going to be bad. Right. Just keep walking. Turn around. Yes. Walk the other yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's good. Okay. I do that's have good. my campfire question. So, have you seen Outlander? Yeah, I, I like it. Okay, wonder, yeah. so I do too. So I want you to imagine that you get to go back and live your life in any time frame and come in and out of the time frame. Oh, cool. Which time frame would you choose? Okay, so this kind of answers your question. And I know, like, I think maybe you had said this in a previous podcast, something about, like, going back and being Hitler yes. or, like... Yeah, yeah. Yes. she did. Yeah. So I've always wanted to be on the Titanic, Yes, oh, me too. So, really? Yes, this is my favorite show. It's and that was movie. another. Maybe you two could hold on to each other at the top, like Leo and, <laughs> and Kate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, had you been in a lifeboat, then I could be on that piece of wood, right? And I would have survived too. You know. Yes. So, yes. Um, that was another early history thing from maybe eighth, ninth grade that I got really into, and mm-hmm. then the movie came out when I think I was in twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I would like to go back on the Titanic and, um, you know, maybe maybe sabotage something so that, like, the boat isn't going yes. so fast. Or yes. maybe, like, right. you know, if, right. if I was a first-class passenger, maybe I could have some influence with, you know, J. Bruce Ismay and mm-hmm. say, you yeah. know, we don't need to be so fast. We can go slower and mm-hmm. not hit an iceberg. And, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, I love that answer. Or, yeah, you could just warn yeah. them to just hit it head on because it's going to be better for you to just hit it head on than it's right. going to be to try to go around it. Wow. Um, and then the backup is to bring, like, a wetsuit or, like, an inflatable raft so that, you know, I can right. save myself, I guess. Or uh-huh. <laughs> Selfish. Yeah. Selfish. So you're not playing the music up at the top. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, there is something where... I... I whether it's the sinking of the Titanic or even like the the Russian royal family during the revolution, there is something that I find very interesting of being like, really at the last moment of tragedy, what is that like? Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. So, so, 
Yeah, like, you know, like the uh, the handful of survivors that actually went down with the Titanic and were actually rescued, right? Because they have, like, they were there the whole time. They weren't in a lifeboat for, like, several hours, you know? Right. So right. there well, is something to that, like... I was going to say... Being the witness at, like, the last moment of a disaster or something like that, which is... It's probably morbid, but it's it's very kind of fascinating. I think that right there would be... You know, you talk about like leaving some sort of mark or legacy, and I think of grad school. Like, I think you have a, a niche right there, like last minute survivors. Mm. That could be like a whole. Pod- oh wow! You know what I mean? Oh wow! Like that could be a whole. That's my book now, right? Book. Yeah. Each chapter is a last minute survivor. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That's such a great idea. It's yours. I'm just paraphrasing back to you what you said. Yeah. There were there were things that obviously came out of that disaster that tragedy though that changed you know they made boats safer and they made sure they had more boats and life jackets and things like that so if you saved it and it never happened do you think that would have just happened with another ship then because we have to learn these lessons right um well i think we could learn a different way (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it takes a drastic thing like that though for us to to realize uh, that there's a problem like factory safety regulations sure. came about because of workplace disasters mm-hmm. like uh, right. I'm going mm-hmm. back to my class now but like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire in New York yeah. you know that was took place on a Saturday and they, there was a huge crowd and there was a big public out, uh, right. know, outcry and that's why mm-hmm. yeah. at least New York passed you know Workplace yeah. regulations. You have yeah, nets all around the hockey arenas now because some girl yes. got killed with a hockey puck. Yes. You know, it takes something yeah. like that yeah. for those things to, to happen. Sometimes. To happen. Yeah. But this has been so fun. Yeah. Oh good. my gosh. So fun. What a blast. Yep. I can't wait to listen back. And yeah. yeah. It, you always, it's, it's interesting. David and I listen, obviously, we're in the moment here, but then when we listen back, it's like, you learn and pay attention differently to different things. Yeah, you do. You hear it a little bit differently yeah. when you listen back. But yeah, yeah, this is fun. I hope we get back to being able to do things because I would love to see the trivia nights come back. Go oh, to sure, trivia yeah. night. Yeah. yeah. Your last thing. You're part of the cooking crew here at RBC, right? Oh, okay. Cooking. No. You just go. Oh, to, you you just like go, to cook? You just go to the parties because you're in that like. Little, you're in the group with like I've seen you at parties at like Mike and Teresa. Are you spying on them or something? Um, no, media. I'm not in. So, the... so you don't cook. You're not like a connoisseur cook. No. Okay. No. Oh, okay. Okay. No. I thought I, I thought I was just looking and saw. I was you're, looking. She's up. recruiting more uh, cooks. I'm, for I'm recruiting our... cooks for when we have the after the COVID party. Yeah, we're gonna have a. But you'll off. just you can do that. Not just you'll do the trivia part. Absolutely. Oh, sure, That's yeah. kind of where I was going. We have, we this, have party this party called After the COVID, and yep. it's, just going, okay. to, it's okay. just going to be, we're having a bags tournament, trivia, talent yeah. show, <laughs> all <laughs> stuff we've learned on the podcast. Maybe ping pong. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> ping pong. By the way, yeah, you, you don't give yourself credit because you say you're not athletic, but ping pong is a sport. Yes, so, yes. And you're okay. pretty good. Okay. You're pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You held your own there against Abdo, and Abdo yeah. was Yeah, he was, he was good. Yeah. yeah. So don't sell yourself short. <laughs> you are an athlete. Yes. So, but yes. thanks for being here. This has been a blast. And okay. thanks um, for having me. It's been, it's been fun. fun. Yeah, so. so much fun. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Take care. All right. That so was fun. That was so. Yeah, fun. I have another friend who I, you I know. know who I've made on this show. We have a lot of interest. I'm going to connect with him about that podcast too that mm-hmm. I'm hatching. Yeah, I really liked his take on what he finds so fascinating about history because that's yeah. that I resonate with people and stories. Right. Yeah. Me too. That. That to me is what 
will draw me in. You know, mm-hmm. any any kind of historical show I'm watching, and I know they're loosely based. Um, sure. But any historical show I'm watching on Netflix, I'm drawn in to the people's life stories. Yeah. You know, their their tragedies and how they face adversity and you know, the, the social structures and the, the, the hierarchy that put them in these impossible positions and how they manage to either come out on top or the social structure takes them out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just fascinating. And he has a great story himself. Yes. And yes. that's a couple now, recent ones, where I've been kind of surprised. Again, we, we never know. Mm-mm. We don't We don't necessarily know these people till we get them sitting in that chair and we can really grill him on some stuff. But, um, you know, when Mark Lanting said he dropped out of high school, I was like, no way. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. you just wouldn't think that. And, you know, he's like, you know, I came from a poor family. My dad worked at Kmart. My mom worked at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. We weren't rich. They they up and moved us to Florida from Michigan. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. And imagine being around these uber wealthy people, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure he saw, wow, there are different ways of doing life and you know that's kind of how it was for me you know and yeah what do, what do I want my life to look like and and now he's at a community college where he's giving people opportunities to answer those questions yeah. and yeah I think his students probably really enjoy his classes I I'm looking forward to getting to know him more after the COVID mm-hmm. I think we should go to trivia night get Becky get Gary oh yeah I yeah. love tri- I used to go to trivia my sister-in-law used to host a trivia night and I would go mm-hmm. every week and mm-hmm. it was, it's a lot of fun yeah. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. I actually did go to one of them that he did. I think he did them in the atrium. I think that's where I did it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're they're a blast. You get a team together, so you're not alone trying mm-hmm. to answer all this. You can work in teams and kind of. Mm-hmm. Maybe come. we could do a a uh, fundraiser, like a trivia night fundraiser for RBC SOS. SOS. I see where your head is. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan Bloomlow. That was a blast. So good to be back with you, David. This is everything RVC. We'll see you next time.